Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be and there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. Okay, it says Basha took out Nadab simply to establish his own rule. The old king has to die dethroned and dead before the new king can take over. So that's what Nadab did. I'm going to establish my rule. rule. I'm going to kill all these guys. But in killing off that line, it says he actually ended up fulfilling the prophecy that Ahijah said would destroy Jeroboam's line. So Basha not only fulfilled Ahijah's prophecy to take out Jeroboam's line, but he also fulfilled what God said to Asa, from now on, you're going to have wars. 1 Kings 15.33 In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Basha, the son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel in Tirzah and reigned 24 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. Now, I know I mentioned that typically wicked kings ruled for a much shorter time, and they often did. But even though Basha's reign was rather long here, this guy didn't do much worth talking about, and he ruled for a long time, bad king. But I figure perhaps maybe his purpose for having such a long reign was to do nothing more than just be a constant pain in Asa's side (laughs) because God said he would always have war. Now, if there's anything we can learn from this chapter is that once sin gets established somewhere and you let it happen, then that sin can be very, very hard to dig back out again. Sin hangs on longer because once something becomes a tradition, then it's hard to dig out. Well, my dad did this, so I'm going to do it too. Well, they continued in the sin of their father, and it got hard to remove the sin because that's the way dad did it. Well, friends, sin has gotten into us all. And a lot of times it's because tradition, because mom and dad did it, then I'm going to do it too. And then that sin just stays propagating through your life. But thankfully, we have a lamp among us, a lamp of God's presence, of blessing, a lamp of guidance and security. And remember, lamps push out darkness. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, John 1.14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Well, who was that? That would be Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word of God. Look at this, John 8.12. Jesus said, I am the light. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So guys, I want us to consider the lamp, the light that we have here. And I also want us to think about David's men. They fought to keep their lamp. They were adamant. You can't fight with us anymore, David, because we don't want to lose our lamp. 
these men really valued the blessing that came through the lamp, the promise of God, through David, through David's line. And they said, no, we want to keep it. We want to keep that lamp. I want you to think for a minute, how many people today view the word of God with the same utmost priority as how David's men viewed David? How many Christians today hold the lamp of the word of God with the same exact adamancy as David's men did? How many of you really hold on to the word of God? Well, I'm a Christian. I I value the word of God, but do you read it? Well, no, just because I don't read it. No, no, no. Whoa, stop. Uh Uh-uh. I know Christians that play more video games and watch more movies and TV than they read the word of God. You can't possibly expect anyone to believe that you value with utmost priority this lamp that you have been given, the light of God, the light of the world. You know, I was teaching a college kid's Bible study one time, and I made some kind of a comment. I said something like, you know, you remember that time when you read the the book of John. And they said, no, no, we, we never did that. And these are all 20-somethings, 18 to 21, 22-year-old kids. And they said, no, we've never read the book of John. I said, well, what about John 1? Or No, no, we no, we hadn't read that either. I said, have you not read one chapter of any book of the Bible ever in your life? And they said, no, we never, no, we haven't. I said, y'all are all about 20 years old. You've been Christians all your life. You've been in church all your life, and you have not read one chapter of one book of the Bible in over 20 years. You haven't read anything. In two decades, you've read absolutely nothing, pretty much. And they're just kind of sitting there in their chair. And I thought, okay, I put my lesson plan away. I said, open up to John 1. We're going to do line by line. We're going to go through the whole book. And we went through the whole book. I was shocked that these kids have based their eternal destiny on a king. They had based their eternal everything on Jesus and didn't hardly know the first thing about him because they're not reading. They don't know. They don't value this lamp. They don't value the word of God. Oh, I'm sure they've read other books. I'm sure they've played certain video games all the way from front to end. I'm sure they've done plenty of great things and gotten college degrees and things that took two years and whatever. I'm sure they've done a lot of stuff, but they've ne- but you claim to be a Christian and you've never read one chapter of one book ever in the Bible at all. You know, there's some chapters in the Bible, you can literally read them in two minutes and to be over 20 years old and not have read one, and you you cannot possibly make me believe, nor God for that matter, that you hold with utmost priority this lamp of the Word of God that He has given you. You cannot make that claim because you're not demonstrating that claim. You don't really mean it. You're just saying it. You're one of those, you're, these people acknowledge me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, Jesus said. Do you, friends, David's men wanted their lamp. They wanted it, and they did whatever it took to keep David as their top priority because they knew that all their blessings flowed through David, through that Davidic covenant promise. Friends, as believers, We need to keep Jesus, the Word of God Himself, Jesus Christ, as our top priority because all your blessings flow through Jesus Christ. Even your peace that you may not be getting right now, if you don't have peace, you need to hold Jesus with the top priority, not your money, not your politics, not all your other little empire things that you're trying to work on. Jesus has to be first. 
Oh, gosh, people hold on to their cell phones with more priority than they do Jesus. All day long, people are sitting around reading their cell phones, texting this, that, and the other. Can you imagine if people did their Bibles the same way with that same priority? What a different world we would have today. I want to give you a perspective of how important our lamp is because the Davidic covenant is associated with Jesus, this lamp that was being talked about. Remember how God still preserved Israel even though they had bad kings from David's reign all the way through all these crazy kings, even down to Asa. Now, if God would hold up his covenant promise, even through a placeholder messed up king like Abijam, then he will hold up his covenant promise for you and me, because I know you've messed up. I have too. But if he would hold his covenant promise through a bad king, do you think he could hold his covenant promise of salvation even when you mess up? Deuteronomy 7, 9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. God keeps his covenants. He doesn't make a covenant and then say, you know, I changed my mind or make a covenant and go, you know what? You messed up. You're not worth it anymore. I'm backing off and I'm going to go give to somebody that's a little higher up the standard than you are. He doesn't do that. Once he makes a covenant with you, he keeps it. And friends, this is the good news of the gospel because the promise of eternal life is bound in covenant. It is sealed by covenant. It has been forged, instituted by covenant. God is going to keep it. So I want you to recall how the Lord gave King Asa rest. He gave King Asa rest. It says he gave it to him. Friend, you cannot have peace in your life, not the peace that lasts. You may have peace for a few minutes then or an hour or a couple of days or a week, but it's going to fade. Real peace. You cannot have real peace unless the Lord gives it to you. John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Friends, the Lord gives peace. Now, I want you to remember all those other kings. It says they fought all their days. Oh, they fought all their days. It's never going to end, and it didn't for them. They never got what they wanted. And friend, if you're tired and worn out, then maybe it's possibly because you're warring your days away. You're wasting the time warring striving to get what you want, and you're not getting it. I want you to please realize that all this does is produces more war. Can you imagine if one of those kings finally came along and said, you know what? I can't keep doing this anymore. I'm just going to turn it all over to the Lord God. If you're looking at these kings thinking this, why didn't somebody just say, you know what? I just God, just take it over. Why don't you? If you were thinking that, then let me ask you, why don't you do that? If you expected the kings to do it somewhere along the line, hey, why don't you just give it to God? Why don't you just give it to God? That struggle you're dealing with, that thing that's wearing you clean out, that's got you down to nothing, defeated, feeling like you're worthless, why don't you just give it to God? You're trying to find other ways to fight it. King Asa asked the king of Syria to come help. God says, you didn't need to do that. You should have called on me. Friend, you don't need to employ all these other things. You need to call upon the Lord God. All these kings fought all their days, but Asa 
he was motivated to obey the Lord God. And it says the Lord gave him, gave him. Hear me, friend. The Lord gave him rest. But understand, though, here's the kicker. The Lord did not give that rest through King Asia until King Abijam died first. In other words, the old sinful ruler had to be dethroned and dead before the new king of peace could come and take the throne. Friend, if you want the peace of the Lord Jesus, you have to be dethroned and dead first before King Jesus can come and give you peace. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm telling you, you are never going to figure this problem out that you're dealing with. You're never going to have peace in your life as long as you are the king of your own life. As long as you rule, as long as it's my way, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. You're never going to have peace. If you want the real peace that only Jesus can give, then you have to be dethroned and dead. You got to stop acting like you run everything and that everything's going to go down the way you want it by your vast experience, which you actually do not have. You have to be dethroned and dead first. You have to be crucified. I'm trying to bluntly tell you, you've got to be killed off with Jesus Christ before you can have that peace. It means you've got to let go of everything. You've got to stop acting like you run it all, because you don't. Let it go. Die to yourself. Die with Jesus. Two kings cannot be on the throne at the same time. There can be only one king at a time. And so in order for peace to be given by the Lord, the old sinful king must die, and then the new king can take over. If you want peace, you've got to be dethroned and dead, and then King Jesus will take over. Jesus is not an answer. He's the answer. And most people, though, they think that's the end of the story. Okay, well, Jesus took over, so all is well now, all is good. Uh Uh-uh, wait a minute. Remember, King Asa, he started out good. Remember, he was doing good things up front. Originally, he was harsh about getting rid of the idols and getting the sin out of the land. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. What he meant by that is you be as ruthless with sin as it takes. Remember, Asa banned all the perverted people and all that. Be as ruthless with sin as it takes to get it out of your life. And don't just get it out. Throw it away. Create distance between you and whatever causes you to sin. Get sin out of your life and get it far away from you. So Asa did good in that. He was taking everything down and getting rid of it. Plus, he fought through several battles, Asa did. However, he eventually got to a point in his battle fighting where he realized, hey, he'd come to figure I don't need to call on God anymore. He stopped calling upon the Lord God for help. God gave Asa peace, no doubt. We're not denying that. It says he did. He gave him peace, but Asa backslid into not trusting God anymore, and it threw him right back into war all over again. His enemies went back fighting with him again. Friend, If you gave your life to Jesus at one point in your life and you repented and got everything right and got all this bad stuff out, great for you, wonderful. How's it been lately, though? Have you been following the Lord like you used to? Psalm 18.3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Didn't say I'll call upon my bank account. It says, no, I'll call upon the Lord. 
not just saved spiritually, but also saved from your enemies. See, Asa first called upon the Lord, then he got to where he didn't, and then his enemies started fighting with him. So let us take Asa's story as an example to ourselves. Perhaps you started walking out with the Lord really, really good at one time. But if you gradually stop relying on the Lord, then what will happen is you're going to start replacing God by employing other things to fight your battles. Uh, Just like how Asa, he used the king of Syria to put Basha away from the border. And the Lord had to remind him, hey, dude, with me, you took down bigger armies than that before. You didn't need the king of Syria to beat him. You should have called upon me. Friends, we don't need money. We don't need drugs. We don't need government in order to be conquerors. Let me ask you, have you ever even had something as small as a a light headache and you got up out of your chair, you went to the medicine cabinet and you got that Tylenol and you took that Tylenol and you didn't even pray? Have you done that? I've done it. I'm going to go ahead and offer that. I'm guilty of that. Father God, forgive me. I employed other things to fight my battles instead of calling upon the Lord first. Perhaps if I had called on the Lord, he could have healed my headache. I wouldn't even need to go to the medicine cabinet. I'm not saying your medicine cabinet is evil. I'm not saying throw your Tylenol away. What I'm saying is, did you consult with the Lord God first? Did you ask him first? Maybe he had a better way. I'm just asking, are you asking the Lord God, Lord God, look, I've got a problem. What do you want me to do about it? Lord, I've got this situation. I don't know how to get out of it. Lord, what's your plan? I'll I'll wait to hear from you. You tell me. And then jump in your Bible and study and read and start reading stuff like this. Maybe God will show you in prayer or in the stories, in the word, in the lamp. Maybe he'll show you. He'll light your way and drive out the darkness and show you, hey, you need to be going this way. Oh, okay. That's better than what I was doing. Okay, let's do that. You ever ask the Lord God first? You should. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Friends, the Lord goes with you everywhere. He goes in all the places where you think he forgot. He goes to all the places where you think you're all by yourself. Oh, I'm so alone. I don't have anybody. I'm doing this all by myself. No, you're not. The Lord is with you. And he doesn't fight with you. He goes with you, but he doesn't fight with you. He fights for you. He goes with you, but he fights for you. You know, friend, you did not have to fight for your own salvation. Jesus took care of that on the cross. So if your enemy that you have, whatever your problems are, or the people that are against you, if your enemy and your problems, your trials seem really, really huge, then maybe your reliance on the Lord is slipping a little bit. So now you're being turned over to your enemies. Do you see what I'm saying? Start calling upon the Lord for the big things and the small things. And, you know, friends, we should live motivated like this for the Lord so that not just for ourselves, but so that unbelievers can see us operating in victory. I want you to remember that I think some of some of Asa's motivation came from watching Ab- Abijam die prematurely after only such a short, short reign. Perhaps that made Asa think, man, I better straighten up and do right. I shouldn't be acting like him. It motivated him to get right. And so likewise, when people take a look at you and they see your life, how you conduct yourself, your behavior, how you react to stress or problems or even good times, do do they see you warring? Do they see you fighting all your days away or do they see your death? What do they see? 
Do they see you still trying to make it happen, or do, or do they see your death, your crucifixion with Jesus, so that they can understand where your victory is coming from? See, if I try to fight for all of my own situations to be resolved, if I try to fight on my own terms, all my problems to be done away with, all people see me doing is fighting, and it just produces more war. And that's why we have the mess we have in the world today. But do people see your death? Do they see your having let go? Do they see your, I will call upon the Lord so that I shall be saved because he's worthy of it? Do they see that? Do they see the dethroned and dead you? Or do, do they see that I'm still fighting my way version of you? Which do they see? Friends, your story will motivate others to be like you especially if they see you fighting dethroned and dead, because the only power left involved in that, if you're not doing it, is going to be the Lord God. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him, which is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, your testimony is your three-part story, who I was when I was dead in my sin, how Jesus saved me, and how the Lord has been fighting for me ever since. Who I was, how I saved, how the Lord fights for me. That's your three parts. That makes a testimony, your change. The blood of Jesus, it says, enables us to overcome, and it's the testimony of our life that will motivate others to want the same victory that we believers have. And that will motivate them when they see your early death. I died early to myself. I didn't run my whole life out trying to fight to make it my way. I died early. (laughs) I died in 2001. Ray Jensen died in 2001. That's when Ray Jensen became crucified with Christ and no longer lived, but now Christ lives in me. I died early. And so when you die early, like the other king before Asa, you die early. That That will motivate people to get rid of sinful things and start doing things right. Asa thought, I look, that guy went out early. I need to get right with the Lord. Friends, if people see you die early and then they see you conquering sin, they're going to think, well, gosh, if that's how it works, then maybe I should die too and see the Lord's victory work. Friends, we've got to show people what dethroned and dead looks like. We have to show people that our dethroned and dead self has been traded off for relying on God, not on other things. Jesus now rules this throne in my heart, not me. I'm dethroned and dead, and King Jesus took over. If you live like that, then other people will see that the utmost priority of our life is our lamp. Messiah Jesus, King Jesus, the Word of God, who gives us our blessing and security. Pray with me. Father, forgive me, I have sinned. Thank you for the lamp you've given us to light our way. King Jesus, the Word of God. Thank you, Lord God. I'm tired of doing it my way. Lord, take over. I am dethroned and dead. I am gone. Take over. You are the ruler now. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me eternal life. Thank you for going on the cross for me and dying in my place when I was still sinning and didn't care about you. Thank you for loving me to that level. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set